Well, welcome to uh, this week's podcast, continuing our series, looking at that question, how do you know? And last time we said that if the Bible is God's word, if it's inspired by God, if it's true and without error, and if it is useful uh, to uh, teach us, to equip us, to encourage us, to challenge and rebuke us even, and if it's sufficient uh, to completely equip us with all that we need for the Christian life, uh, then there are some implications. Uh, last week we saw that those implications start with some responsibilities for us. Uh, so uh, first of all, we saw that we should be a people who are gathered around God's word, that we make the Bible central, uh, God's word central to all that we say and do as a people of God together and as we go out to our individual lives. Uh, secondly, we said that we should m make sure that we are reading scripture correctly. And thirdly, we said that we need then to take time to get to know it for ourselves so that uh, the word of Christ dwells in us richly. So three things that we should be doing in response to that great truth about what scripture is, it's uh, sufficiency, it's inspiration, it's truth, it's usefulness. And we're now going to go on to talk about three further implications for us. Uh, that if scripture is sufficient, uh, then that means that it is sufficient enough to provide protection against abuse and false teaching. Uh, that it is sufficient uh, it's what we need uh, to enable us to uh, provide godly and loving counsel, pastoral care to others. And that it is sufficient uh, to provide the basis for our apologetics, how we defend the gospel, how we engage with others in evangelism and interact and seek to persuade. Uh, now, we're actually going to take one of those in turn over three weeks. So we're not going to try and cram them all into today's podcast. Uh, first of all, today we're looking at this first one, that scripture provides protection against abuse and false teaching. Uh, one of Paul's great concerns as he planted churches and commissioned leaders, uh, elders in the church, was this great risk uh, that very quickly false leaders, uh, false shepherds, uh, wolves disguised as sheep and shepherds, uh, would creep into the church. Uh, so on that last trip, that last mission trip, um, he's on the third of his journeys, as he returns towards Jerusalem, Paul gets the elders of the church at Ephesus together, meets them for a, a kind of elders away day or weekend away at a place called Miletus en route. And uh, in Acts 20, he speaks to them. And he says, Acts 20 verse 28, be on your guard, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. 
Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each of you with tears. So there's the warning there that these false shepherds, these wolves would come in. And, and I'm talking about false leadership here or false shepherds, uh, because there's often a description of false teachers. Uh, you see, primarily the way that people seek to lead God's people away is by teaching them heresy, false teaching, things that they've added to Scripture, things that they've distorted in Scripture, or things that they've taken out of Scripture lead to false teaching. Uh, but partly because their end goal is not simply to communicate lies. They have a, an agenda, a reason for doing that. And partly because there can be other methods of, as well in which they can cause harm. It's, it's not just about the false teaching, it is about the false shepherding, the false leading overall. Uh, that uh, by their conduct, their lifestyle, their example, they lead people astray. Uh, and that their intent so often is personal gratification, personal pleasure, uh, whether that's about getting power over others, getting fame and status, or even uh, uh, getting financial gain, or even getting um, sexual pleasure and satisfaction, the, the, the pursuit of a, a form of sadistic hedonism uh, by using and abusing others in the church, especially those who are at risk those who are vulnerable in the church, isolating them off just as a wolf will isolate off a sheep. And Paul says that the, the responsibility of the elders in the church, as well as feeding the church, teaching, uh, providing them with good food from God's word, is to guard, is to protect. Uh, that they have a responsibility to be on a lookout for these wolves and to warn the church against them and to protect the church, to be ready to step in to defend the church from them. Little side point here. Godly, faithful and obedient elders and pastors in the church will therefore carry scars, will carry wounds facing down wolves. Appoint me to somebody who has faithfully and obediently served and lovingly served in the church over many years. I will point you to somebody who has been wounded. Now, it's good for us to know that and remember that so that we can pray for them. So Paul warns consistently that they're coming again. Uh, he writes a letter to the church in Rome that he's about to visit them at, at some point. This is not long actually after his meeting with the uh, the elders there um, in um, in Ephesus at Ephesus in Miletus that he's hoping to come and see them. His his plan was to do a fourth mission journey and to go as far as Spain and to stop off in Rome and right at the end of the letter, in, in, in a place where he has lots of good things to say about co-workers and co-leaders and people in the church, uh, his final greetings, he says this, Romans 16 verse 17 to 18, he says, now I 
urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Avoid them, because such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. Notice a couple of things there. Uh, that their aim is to create division, to split the church, to divide God's people from one another so that they can isolate some of. This division goes against what God's word says. But to do it, they are subtle, they use smooth talk, subtle words, and, and even flattery. They will deceive, they will, they will boost the egos of those that they're trying to lead astray. Uh, you know, maybe saying things like, you know, you are so mature now, yet you started with the Bible, you started with the gospel, you started with your local church, but we can offer you so much more. In fact, one of the dangers that I think we are seeing increasingly uh, within the world of the church today is the the separation out of teaching and accountability and and growth and love and care and protection from local churches increasingly into um, parachurch things and, and the belief that people for whatever reason uh, because they belong to a uh, a particular status within the church have particular ministries or because of their careers and vocations won't find the accountability and the care within the local church that they need through the application of, of God's word. And so all these new structures are set up. Uh, people need to go to places and to events and to things in order to receive what should be coming from God's word in the context of the local church as they gather around God's word. That's probably something that's going to throw up some questions, maybe even some dispute at some point. Get in touch if you want to challenge me on that. So Paul keeps warning. And in the the very place where we uh, we started this this delving into the role of scripture in 2 Timothy 3 I'm just turning that up in my Bible 2 Timothy 3 just before 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 the verse that says all scripture is God breathed uh, in verse 13 Paul says that evil people and imposters so those that are masquerading as leaders and teachers and shepherds and pastors in the church. Evil people and apostles will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's going to get worse. They're going to go on and, and, and uh, keep doing this, but it will escalate as time goes by. And that is the context in which Paul says, what do you need? 
when you face persecution, when you face suffering, and when imposters, false leaders, try to get into the church, what is it that you need? You need scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful and is sufficient. Why is it useful and sufficient? Uh, well, I think the first reason is this, that if we are a people who are gathered around God's word, making sure we know it correctly and making sure it dwells in us deeply, then we are a people who have heard the true shepherd's voice. And those that know the true shepherd's voice learn how to distinguish that voice from false shepherds, from voices that do not sound like his. That do not say the same things. Secondly, because in the Bible we have, as well as the food to feed us and build us up, we have the weapons that we need to defend us, the answers to give back to false teachers. So what does Jesus do uh, when he is confronted by Satan, when Satan tries to attack him and to tempt him? Uh, Jesus persistently responds to those temptations in the wilderness with scripture, uh, with scripture properly understood, because the word of God, the word of the Father dwelt in him richly. That means that, again, that is why we should be reading the Bible together, reading it correctly, getting to understand it, because it will keep helping us to uh, respond to the lies that we hear about what God is like and about how we should live with truth. And that has implications for all of us as part of God's people, that we should all be getting to know God's word. But it also puts particular responsibilities on leaders in the church, on the elders, the pastors, uh, the bishops, if you are in an Episcopal type church, uh, those that have that responsibility for oversight and therefore for the protection and care of the church, uh, that we know God's word well uh, so that we are able to spot error. And to challenge it and to see where things might be going um, off track, to start to see where distortions might be creeping in, to start to see where there might be a wandering, uh, to be able to recognise the wolves. Uh, Mike Ovi, I keep coming back to him, um, uh, when he was teaching at Oak Hill, um, one of the reasons why you spend a lot of time training pastors, that leaders, elders, in God's word, in theology, in systematic theology, um, the reason that we want to do that is because we want shepherds who are able to spot the wolves, uh, not as the wolf at the point when the wolves are right upon us, not as they are leaping over the wall into the sheepfold, definitely not at the point when they are right in amongst the sheep and savaging them. But we want to be able to spot the wolves uh, when they are far off uh, to signal the warning. Uh, and because I would say that uh, in that sense the wolf is, is not just the bad person, uh, but also the bad teaching that can creep in. Uh, 
what that means is we want to be able to spot not just the dangerous people but the dangerous teaching um, when it's in its embryonic form when it's fledgling when we're seeing that it doesn't sound too bad at the moment but we can see the trajectory in which it is going to be able to warn. In fact, that's the best stage, when it's not personal, when uh, the person who has slipped gradually towards error, when the, that person that is off-centre hasn't allowed that false teaching to take root and to grow in their life and to consume them and to distort them yet. What it means is this. Uh, I keep coming back to this, that the best place to protect against abuse and against false teaching is in the local church, as the local church is centred on God's word. And that's not to say there isn't a place for uh, structures and um, organisations and processes that can help. But that is all that they are doing, they are, they are helping, they are supporting. The primary responsibility lies in the local church and the primary tool for dealing with these things remains God's word. Well, thank you for joining in today and we'll be back next time uh, to look at some of the more, some more of the implications from knowing that all scripture is useful and is sufficient.